There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 42 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. Jack and Charlotte were on a date. The evening was going well. So well, in fact, that Jack invited Charlotte back to his houseboat on the most famous river in London. Little did they know that following the events of that night, one of them would end up dead and the other chased by police halfway around the world. Jack Sebastian Shepherd grew up in the picturesque seaside town of Paynton in Devon. The eldest of four children, Shepherd was raised by parents that ran a successful health food shop in Totnes. While his mother and father eventually parted ways when he was in his teenage years, Shepherd was a high achiever at South Dartmoor College, with his attention firmly focused on computing. By his late 20s in 2015, he had been living in London for around five years and had established a successful career in IT. Shepard's CV listed his job title as a search optimization specialist. He had managed to obtain positions working for huge international companies like Ferrari, Time Inc and Apple. 
His £150,000 a year salary afforded him, a man living alone on a rented houseboat, a good lifestyle. Moored to the houseboat was a bright red 14-foot Fletcher Arrow flight speedboat. On two previous occasions while speeding along the River Thames in the Arrow flight, Shepard had been stopped for travelling too fast. Charlotte Brown was a 24-year-old University of Essex English literature graduate. Originally from Clacton-on-Sea in Essex, she was one of three daughters to parents Ros and Graham. Her father, Graham Brown, held down a steady job as a prison population manager. Charlotte, or Charlie to her friends and family, had a twin sister, Katie. They were younger siblings to their older sister, Vicky. She was a young woman starting a promising career. Charlotte had moved from Welling in south-east London to East Finchley in north London and started a job as a new business development consultant for the International Institute of Anti-Aging. Throughout her life, Charlotte only had one long-term boyfriend who she met in college, but they split up and she was finally starting to date again. Charlotte crossed paths with Jack Shepard on a dating website called OKCupid. The pair had been messaging each other for around a month. Their first date would be a well-versed scenario for Shepard, something he had played out with nearly a dozen women before. Four months earlier, a Twitter post from a woman called Claire read, Speedboating with Jack Shepard on the Thames, drinking champers. But Shepard was engaged to be married. Charlotte Brown met Jack Shepard for their first dinner date in the early evening of December 8th, 2015 at the Oblix restaurant on the 32nd floor of the Shard. They took in the panoramic view of the London skyline. The mood was set. They shared an expensive bottle of wine before they ate a light meal and then ordered a second bottle. The amount the couple drank from this second bottle is unclear. Jack Shepard consumed a double vodka before the two had met. After dinner and drinks, which cost £150, they took a taxi back to Shepard's houseboat. They had to wait for the tide to rise, so in the meantime, they popped open a bottle of champagne. At 10.20pm, taking some alcohol with them, they boarded Shepard's speedboat and set off. Shepherd at the helm. Charlotte sent text messages to her sister and a friend saying that she was drinking champagne. One message read, He's taking me for a ride on his speedboat down the Thames. I'm sure it's safe. And he's paying for my cab home. The sun set just before 4pm on December 8th, 2015, meaning visibility was relatively poor. The darkness of the Thames was only illuminated by the city lights and sporadic lampposts along the way. 
the speed limit for boats travelling on that stretch of water is 12 knots, or just under 14 miles an hour. It is believed the speedboat was moving up to two and a half times that speed. Footage on Charlotte's phone taken while she was on the speedboat was later retrieved. On the way back to Hammersmith, CCTV pictured the boat reducing its speed significantly as it neared Plantation Wharf. According to Shepard, Charlotte took the helm, at first cautiously, then going at the same speed as Shepard on the outward journey. Witnesses from the Lambeth Fire River Station saw the boat travelling at high speed and described the vessel as moving very fast, breaking the speed limit. Near Wandsworth Bridge close to midnight, the boat suddenly collided with a log or a submerged tree, bringing it to an abrupt stop, flipping over and throwing both occupants into the Thames. Neither Jack Shepard or Charlotte Brown were wearing life jackets or buoyancy aids, despite there being life jackets available on board. Nearby residents called the emergency services, and paramedics arrived sometime between 12.05 and 12.14am. Shepard was found clinging to the hull of the boat. He was screaming, Help me! Help me! Somebody help me! Shepard was rescued from the freezing waters by members of the RNLI, the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. He was exhibiting signs of hypothermia, which can include shivering, cold and pale skin, slurred speech, fast breathing and confusion. Shepard spoke to a paramedic and said he had been out having dinner with someone he called his date, though at that moment in time he could not remember her name. There was no sign of Charlotte Brown. The paramedic noted the man pulled from the freezing waters was highly distressed and his speech was garbled. But information needed to be gathered. Jack Shepard was struggling to provide clear answers. He was, quote, extremely confused and clearly suffering from shock as well as being drunk, making it hard for him to remember the details. The police were piecing together the circumstances of what happened, trying to find out the identity of the young woman found in the water of the Thames. Charlotte Brown was unresponsive. Her body temperature was 25 degrees. She was in cardiac arrest and hypothermic. Charlotte was so cold, paramedics were unable to locate a vein, so drilled into a bone to administer fluids. She was rushed to the hospital, but passed away just over an hour later. After learning of her daughter's death, Charlotte's mother, Ros, said, I struggled to take in what had happened and fainted when I went to the hospital to identify her body. Jack Shepard was comforted by an officer for the Marine Police Unit. He spoke to a constable Winter who later recalled that Shepard appeared very concerned as to Charlotte Brown's welfare and whereabouts. He asked several times, Is she all right? And have you found her? Constable Winter observed that Shepard was, quote, clearly very drunk, smelling quite heavily of alcohol and slurring his words. 
permission was given for the police to inspect Shepard's houseboat and his mobile phone was confiscated. While in the hospital, Jack Shepard answered several questions about the circumstances of the incident. He told Constable Winter, So yeah, we had dinner and then we drank quite a lot of wine. We drank two bottles of wine and got a taxi to mine and then we got to mine and we drank more and then decided to go out on the boat and we talked about it over dinner. So we went out on the boat and we had some wine on the boat as well. So my memory is quite hazy of the whole evening really because we drank very heavily. I mean it's hazy because we'd been drinking. Due to the shock of the situation and Shepard's physical and mental state, he would have to be interviewed for a second time. Jack Shepard was discharged from hospital later that day and interviewed again at the police station as a significant witness to an accident, not as a suspect. His rights were not read to him by Detective Constable Allen and Detective Sergeant Mullen, who were unaware that driving a boat while intoxicated on the Thames was an offence. Driving a boat under the influence of alcohol on the Thames in central London and speeding are both offences under bylaws of the Port of London Authority. So my memory is quite hazy of the whole evening, really. Uh, her driving, I don't remember much about it, but I do remember something that we, when we talked before, that kind of came back to me was like I remember like hanging on. There was a bar in front of the passenger seat, and, uh, and I remember I was like hanging on to that, which is it hadn't struck me before. But like I don't normally have to do that, you know. You normally kind of just sit there and then relax, kind of thing. So I think we may have swapped back over. I don't think we did. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I remember now things we talked about before. So, like, I didn't, I didn't, she didn't, neither of us obviously were wearing life jackets. Although there were two, like, in between the two seats in the front, but she wouldn't have known they were there because I didn't point them out and we weren't wearing them anyway. And, like, I didn't even ask if she could swim or anything. And As Jack Shepard ran through the events of that evening, the officers interjected with further questions, such as, had he taken other dates out on the boat, and was it a tool he had used to attract the opposite sex? The questions were asked in the hope that Shepard would elaborate on a comment he had previously made, which alluded to him purchasing the boat with the intentions of, quote, pulling women. Shepard admitted to taking around ten dates on the speedboat on various occasions, and allowing most of them to take control of the vessel. The officers said that they were trying to build a clear picture of how the evening with Charlotte Brown progressed, as compared to how his previous dates had evolved before. Later in court, Detective Sergeant Mullen would admit he had no experience of river offences. Due to his lack of knowledge on the subject, D.S. Mullen spoke to a senior officer, Detective Inspector Braganza, who informed him that the Marine units had relayed the situation and told the officers no offences had been committed. The interview with Jack Shepard had been reviewed by a more senior member of staff, a Detective Chief Inspector, the next day. At the time, he also treated the incident as nothing more than an accident. He thought foul play meant evidence of an assault or something similar. 
The possibility of charging someone in control of a motorised boat on the Thames while drunk was mentioned, but further advice regarding the matter was still pending. Even though Charlotte Brown's post-mortem results were not back yet, at the time, the police believed there was nothing that appeared to be indicative of foul play. A coroner recorded the cause of Charlotte Brown's death as cold water immersion. While the police were investigating the incident, Jack Shepard was getting on with his life. Just two months after Charlotte's death, he was married. A month later, his wife registered a web design business. It wasn't long before the newly married couple became parents to a son. A harmony that wouldn't last. Almost two years would pass, and Jack Shepard was now calling himself Jack Grant. He had taken out a number of loans across several addresses in London, but had since moved to South Wales. Social media profiles were set up with this new name and a CV mimicking Jack Shepard's appeared on business networking site LinkedIn, naming the same companies Shepard had been employed by. The police investigation was complex, with the case being passed from Wandsworth CID to Scotland Yard. But following a campaign from Charlotte's family, Jack Shepard was brought before a magistrate in autumn 2017. During the middle of October, at Wimbledon Magistrates Court, Shepard was charged with gross negligence manslaughter. As the details of the case made themselves known, a month later in November, Shepard's wife stepped down from the business the couple had set up, and two months later in January 2018, Jack Grant was officially given the title of director. That same month, he made his first appearance at a pre-trial hearing at the Old Bailey. He pleaded not guilty. Shepard was released on unconditional bail by Judge Richard Marks, QC. A trial was due to take place in July. Moving around Wales and then back to his hometown of Devon, Shepard struggled to find employment and began to drink heavily. His young marriage had crumbled under the strain. It is believed that Shepard's wife was unaware he had been trying to seduce another woman when the incident occurred. While awaiting trial, Jack Shepard was a free man. On March 16, 2018, he travelled to Newton Abbott to visit his mother and sister. Once there, an old friend he hadn't seen in years invited him out for lunch. Shepard accepted, and the pair drank throughout their meal, then continued drinking until they were both intoxicated. Afterwards, at about six o'clock, they approached the White Hart Hotel looking rather worse for wear. The barman David Beach said he could not serve them, and showed them the door. David, a former soldier in the Royal Tank Regiment, thought nothing more of it and got on with his duties. Three hours later, the duo returned, even more intoxicated than before, wanting to be served alcohol. David Beach escorted them to the door. The black and white CCTV footage captured that evening 
picked up the rest. Shepard's friend opened the door with David Beach slightly in front of Jack Shepard. Alarmingly and unprovoked, Shepard raised his arms and with a powerful blow struck David Beach across the forehead with a vodka bottle concealed in the waistband of his trousers. Beach fell to the floor with a deep cut where the bottle made contact. A colleague happened to be walking past, going through another door in the corridor at the time, and acting fast, tackled Shepard. Luckily, an off-duty National Crime Agency officer also saw what was going on and helped to restrain Shepard until the police arrived. Soon after being released on bail in relation to this further offence, Jack Shepard returned to London to book several plane tickets. He left the country, escaping the charges that were waiting for him. Shepard took a flight to Istanbul in Turkey before travelling to Tbilisi, the capital of Georgia. Located at the boundary of Europe and Asia, Georgia is not in the EU and has a slower international extradition process. A few days after he was charged with grievous bodily harm in his hometown, Shepard, under the name Jack Grant, resigned from the business his wife had set up. While out of the country, he got jobs as Jack Grant, picking up work as a freelance web developer, moving from apartment to apartment. He kept in touch with his lawyers and informed them in May, two months before the manslaughter trial, that he would not be attending in person. Charlotte Brown's parents were not made aware of this until they arrived at court. Jack Shepard would be tried in his absence. During the trial, Jack Shepard's defence team said they did not know where he was. The reason for Shepard's absence was not fully explained to the jury, as it was argued that if jurors were told, they could be unfairly influenced. The judge told them, You will see that the dock where the defendant ordinarily sits is empty. You must not speculate about the reason for the defendant's absence. Nor must you hold his absence against him. His absence is in no way probative of his guilt of the charge, nor does it add anything to the prosecution case against him. You will see that he is represented, and as you will see when the trial gets underway, his lawyers are in a position where they are able to conduct his defence. The trial followed Jack Shepard's account that he let Charlotte take the wheel. Addressing the jury at the Old Bailey, Aftab Jaffaji QC Prosecuting said the defendant's use of his speedboat to all intents and purposes as part of his seduction routine went horribly wrong. In pursuing that single-minded objective, his attitude to safety and his responsibilities to all on board was so significantly compromised that it resulted in the death of a young woman. The prosecutor told the court of Shepard's pattern of repeated attempts to impress women by taking them out on his speedboat. Discussing Shepard's actions, the prosecutor said, It was cold, it was dark, and it was, we submit, sheer madness. He did nothing to prevent her from speeding. 
The speedboat had several defects, and Shepard did not ask Charlotte if she could swim. He did not offer Charlotte a life jacket or show her where they were. In the police interview with Shepard, which was played to the court, he said the speedboat was travelling, quote, full throttle before it collided with an object. I was just trying to show off about having a speedboat, like I thought it would impress her, he said. In the interview, Shepard said he wanted to sleep with Charlotte, so in an effort to impress her, he let her take the wheel. I got to a stretch I considered to be safe, because it was quite straight and long, so we swapped over. My memory is quite hazy about the whole thing because we drank heavily. The last thing I remember is just hanging onto the boat. It was upside down at this point. I don't know where Charlie was. In what was described as a legal first, jurors were taken to the car park of the Old Bailey and shown the speedboat Shepard and Charlotte were travelling in. Along with the judge and counsel, the jury were given 15 minutes to inspect the vessel, after which time they were told by an expert witness for the prosecution that elements of the speedboat were poorly maintained, with water damage to the wood, there was deterioration to the windscreen, and the kill cord to the engine had no attachment. As Jack Shepard was absent from the trial, he had chosen not to give evidence. In his closing speech, Prosecutor Aftab Jafaji QC told jurors that although he did not believe that Shepard was a, quote, evil man, the defendant had taken several deliberate decisions that led to Charlotte Brown's death. Addressing Shepard's absence and the lack of evidence presented to strengthen Shepard's case that he was not guilty, the prosecutor said that this must mean the evidence presented by the Crown remained uncontradicted. One juror believed that Jack Shepard's actions were not grossly negligent. However, 11 did. Shepard was found guilty of manslaughter on a majority verdict. Charlotte Brown's family would sit through each day of the proceedings, in which they learned in horrifying detail how Charlotte lost her life. And this was something Jack Shepard chose not to do. Charlotte's mother said, There are no words in the universe to describe how wonderful Charlotte was. The best daughter ever. My best friend. We'll never get over losing her. Life won't be the same. Every breath that I take is a guilty breath that I'm taking breath and she's not. Charlotte's sister appealed for Jack Shepard to come home and face justice. We now appeal to Jack Shepard, wherever he is in the world, to return and assume the responsibility of his guilt and devastation he has caused by his careless actions that fateful night. We appeal to Jack Shepard's family and friends to talk to him and urge him to face the consequence of his actions. We cannot allow Charlie's passing to be in vain. Her legacy will be to highlight the appalling lack of legislation and safety measures present on our waterways.
Jack Shepard was sentenced to six years in prison, although he had still not handed himself in. He had been receiving updates on the trial from his legal team. The last time he spoke to a family member via the telephone was on June 27th, however the line had since been disconnected. During sentencing, Charlotte Brown's mother told those present at the Old Bailey, I want Jack Shepard to know that when he's enjoying himself with his family, I, in fact, am not enjoying myself, and I never will. The truth is, I will be visiting Charlotte's grave. The man who killed her sister in a speedboat crash on the Thames, Skip Bale, failed to attend his trial and is still in hiding. Katie Brown says it's now time he gave himself up. He's been afforded privileges that we don't feel he deserves. Um, He was able to not attend his trial. Um, He didn't give evidence. Um, And now he's not serving his sentence. I just don't understand how it can be morally right for his legal team to be in contact with him nearly every day of the trial and not find out and pass on his whereabouts um, to the police. Um, I just Jack Shepard was now a fugitive and an international manhunt was underway. In partnership with the National Crime Agency and Interpol, the Metropolitan Police continued to search for Shepard, but without much luck. Charlotte's family even met with the Home Secretary. Still, Shepard managed to instruct his legal team to appeal against his conviction, despite him being in hiding. And in yet more surprising news, Shepard was in fact granted permission to appeal his conviction and he was provided with legal aid, which caused a public outcry. The majority of applications for appeals fail, nine out of ten times, so it was believed there were sufficient grounds for the application. Solicitor Richard Egan, who represented Shepherd, was interviewed. He spoke about Charlotte's family and the role he played. Egan said, I do have some empathy for their position. I understand the appalling nature of what they've been through, but... I have duties as a professional. I'm not protecting a fugitive. My job is to act as Mr. Shepard's lawyer. As such, I do have certain duties and responsibilities. It's not straightforward as it may seem. I can understand um, people being extremely upset that someone who hasn't turned up to their trial should be able to appeal it and and be granted legal aid or even be represented during that trial. But um, as I said, the issues are far from straightforward. if, if you remove legal aid, then it means that perhaps someone on the run who has the means can still appeal. And do we want a, a system where only those in, in money, as it were, can appeal? Um, also, the appeal system is... Egan worked for Tucker's solicitors, and they too provided a statement regarding the appeal. Previous case law confirms that an absent defendant still has the right to appeal against legal errors at a trial that took place in his absence. Nick Brett, a lawyer who specialises in criminal law and civil litigation, was also interviewed. It is difficult because um, lawyers are officers of the court and they have a duty to the court and they have a duty not to mislead the court and those are are very important fundamental principles for the conducting of all litigation. 
Um, however, there is also a duty of confidence towards a client and a duty to act in the client's best interests. Whether or not a lawyer can receive instructions from a, uh, an absconded defendant whilst on the run, I think that that is a complicated area. I think that probably in certain circumstances such instructions can be given, provided that there is no um, affront to the administration of justice. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Following his conviction, newspapers that included the Daily Mail and The Sun offered rewards to find Jack Shepard. With the media and the public desperate to locate his whereabouts, Shepard was eventually tracked down by journalists in Georgia. However, an arrest had still not been made. Graham Brown, Charlotte's father, made a plea for Jack Shepard to hand himself in. Um, you've caused our family a lot of harm and devastation, but really you need to look at what you've done and come back and atone for the damage that you've done. You need to come back and serve your sentence 
Um, not only because that's the right thing to do, but you will need to do that so that you can eventually move on yourself. Um, it can't be any fun being a fugitive. It doesn't sound any fun to me. But please, if you're watching this, hand yourself in. Um, there's an awful lot of resources from the police, the Home Office, National Crime Agency. They're looking for you. And I'm personally never going to arrest or stop until you're in custody. On January 23, 2019, under mounting pressure, Jack Shepard finally handed himself in at a police station in Georgia. Bearded and dressed in jeans, a long coat and a scarf, Shepard smiled when he was greeted by journalists. Before surrendering, he gave an interview to local TV channel Rustavi 2. I hope that um, you know justice will be done um, and that my appeal will succeed and that I can just everyone can move forward with their lives. After seeing the footage of Shepard, Charlotte's family were angry that he was still protesting his innocence. Katie Brown, Charlotte's sister, told reporters that seeing Shepard just stroll into the police station smiling and waving, it was unbelievable arrogance. Whilst he's been off in Georgia, he claims he went to see friends and he has always wanted to see the scenery there, almost like he was claiming it was a holiday. He's not thinking about Charlie, us, respect for the legal system. All he is thinking about is himself and his feelings. Jack Shepard claimed that Charlotte's father, Graham Brown, had used his job in the prison service to pressure a prosecution. However, this seemed unlikely as Graham Brown had stepped down from his position as prison population manager after losing his daughter. Although still working for the prison service, Graham's role had changed and he was now involved in working with prison statistics on a part-time basis. Speaking to reporters, Graham Brown called himself a Mr Nobody and said the idea that he had some form of influence over the case was ridiculous. When Charlotte's father heard that Jack Shepard had handed himself in, it triggered an emotional response. My eyes welled up, he said. It was a tremendous relief. Sometimes in life things happen and you find it difficult to speak. This was one of those times. Charlotte's twin sister also spoke with reporters. Um, I believe that, that he's... Him handing himself in is for purely selfish reasons. He he is he's doing it so that he he thinks he's he's not going to he thinks his appeal he wants his appeal to be successful, and I don't think he he thinks that he's going to have to serve his sentence. Not everyone was happy that Jack Shepard was now in the custody of the Georgian police. His elderly father and stepmother had an entirely different view. Shepard's stepmother, Hannah Law, told the press, I heard Jack had handed himself in. I'll probably get my head bitten off for saying this, 
but I'm not happy about this at all. She hit a log, and they are blaming him for everything, so I am not very happy about it at all. But I do feel very sorry for her parents for what happened. With Jack Shepard in the custody of police, questions had to be answered. How was it possible that he managed to appeal his sentence despite being on the run? Everyone charged with an offence, including Jack Shepard, can obtain legal representation, and those individuals who meet specific criteria can receive legal aid. Solicitors who are lawyers that give legal advice can decline to take on a client, However, barristers, providing they are available, are bound to take on an individual even if they might not agree with that person's beliefs or they are appalled at the crime their potential client has committed. The obligation known as the cab rank rule ensures that everyone receives legal representation regardless of how unpopular they are. The name alludes to a cab or taxi rank queue with the first person in the line being offered the services of the first driver available. There are some exceptions with what cases a barrister can decline. Perhaps they lack experience in a particular field. There could be a conflict of interest, insurance issues or workload, and these are only some examples. The difference between solicitors and barristers are that solicitors conduct legal work outside the court and barristers operate as an advocate in court for their client, often seen wearing a gown and a wig, with senior barristers appointed as Queen's Counsel. Both are bound by an obligation to defend their client, even if they flee the country. Solicitor Richard Egan took on Jack Shepard's case, and almost instantly he began to receive abuse and threats. One such communication was received while Shepard was in Georgia. A portion read, Remember Joe Cox? You have been followed. Nice house. Now accidents happen. People get stabbed in London. Pets get poisoned. Children run over. Be warned. We, the EDF, will petrol bomb your nice office. A swastika and Heil Hitler 88 were also drawn on the handwritten letter. Joe Cox was an MP who was murdered by a far-right extremist Thomas Mayer. And the EDF refers to the English Defence League. Emotions were running high regarding Shepard's appeal, as many members of the public believed that he did not deserve legal aid. Stephen Vulo QC, who would be acting on Shepard's behalf during his appeal, had contacted the Court of Appeal to explain he had decided not to take a fee, as he was so appalled that solicitor Richard Egan had received a death threat for working on the case. The president of the Law Society who support and govern solicitors across England and Wales told a reporter for the BBC... Lost in the media frenzy surrounding the Jack Shepard case is a fundamental principle of British justice that regardless of the crime, the accused is entitled to legal representation and the government has a statutory obligation to ensure this happens where required. 
in the three months following his arrest, Jack Shepard was kept in the notorious Guldani prison in Tbilisi. In 2012, the overcrowded prison was the centre of a scandal when video footage of guards beating and raping inmates was leaked. In one horrifying incident, a prisoner had a lit cigarette forced up his anus. Such was the outrage in Georgia that protests were staged and hundreds of prison officers were fired and replaced by police officers and men from the army. From prison in Tbilisi, Shepard gave an interview to a journalist for the Sun newspaper in April 2019. Speaking about what happened, he said, I can understand why her family apportioned the entire blame on me, but the reality is not quite so simple. Absolutely, unreservedly, I apologise for the role I played, and undeniably, I did play a part. Miss Brown's family have my sincere sympathies and condolences, and I understand why they apportion the blame as they do. Shepard was resolute that it was Charlotte who was behind the controls, and she was the one who accelerated. He simply failed to prevent her from doing so. The 31-year-old said it was either fate or blind luck that they struck something that was not visible in the dark, murky waters of the Thames. In response, Charlotte's mother, Ros Wickin, said, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but nothing he says will bring my daughter back. While Graham Brown, Charlotte's father, chose not to comment on Jack Shepard's interview, it was clear the family were determined to get justice for Charlotte. We're hoping that he won't follow through with his appeal, which causes the family more anguish, but I guess that could be a forlorn hope, he said. The judge at Tbilisi City Court agreed to Jack Shepard's extradition following a hearing. Shepard's lawyer said her client had agreed to be extradited, but only if his safety was taken into consideration by the judge. Jack Shepard asked that upon his return to England, he wanted a cell to himself. He also asked for 24-hour audio and video surveillance and for the media to be given access to his cell. His requirements could not be met by the Georgian judge, who had no jurisdiction in the matter. Shepard's wife, then living near Abergavenny in Wales, is understood to have been the first person to tip off police that her husband had fled to the Georgian capital. While Shepard moved locations for 10 months and worked as a freelance web developer before finally handing himself in. After boarding the plane back to the UK, he explained that his actions were not premeditated. You know, I'm terribly sorry for my involvement in... Charlotte's death and, you know, furthermore, my subsequent actions, which I see have only served to, you know, uh, make things worse and I'd like to make amends for that. Why did you run? Um, fear. Um, it was just, uh, it wasn't premeditated as, uh, you know, some have said, you know, but it was just a case of being driven by an, a kind of an animalistic fear and just jumping on a plane really with not much of a plan 
that um, it hasn't worked out very well in At 9.20pm on Wednesday, April 10th, 2019, Shepard arrived on British soil, escorted by several Metropolitan Police officers. Only a day after arriving in the UK, Jack Shepard pleaded guilty to breaching bail and absconding. Speaking about his client at the Old Bailey, junior counsel for the defence Andrew McGee told the court, Jack Shepard genuinely regrets and is ashamed of his decision not to attend his trial and sentencing, and that is particularly because of the additional distress his absconding caused to the Brown family. That was never his intention, and he is deeply sorry for it. It wasn't callous or cavalier, and it wasn't in any sense cynical or calculated, McGee continued. He didn't take the decision to abscond in order to disrupt or frustrate the system to his own advantage. According to his counsel, Shepard made the decision to abscond as he was afraid that he would be sent to prison. Andrew McGee argued that as his client had handed himself in, this should be considered when the judge passed his sentence. The judge Richard Marks QC did not see this as a mitigating factor and Jack Shepard received an additional six months to run consecutively with his sentence for manslaughter. Your conduct in absconding yourself from justice for so long was as cowardly as it was selfish, the judge said. You were in effect having your cake and eating it. This is not how our system of justice is intended to operate. The judge said it was a conscious, deliberate and considered decision to go on the run, which must have added hugely to the distress of Charlotte's family. Shepard was then taken down to his cells to begin his now six-and-a-half-year sentence. Charlotte Brown's family had sat in the public gallery throughout the hearing. Jack Shepard had avoided eye contact with all of them. Outside the court, Katie Brown and her family address the press. As a family, we are relieved that Jack Shepherd is now back in the country and commencing his prison sentence. It's a step closer to justice for Charlie. Shepherd has continued to prolong our agony, making hard accusations against our family. Katie Brown said Shepard had given various contradictory versions of the events of that night. Shepard claimed Charlotte was steering the boat at the time of the crash. The only footage captured recorded on Charlotte's phone shows Shepard at the helm. Charlie will never be returned to us, or as Shepard can continue his life with his family once he serves his sentence, Katie Brown said. He has not shown any real remorse or accountability for his actions, accusing Charlie of being responsible for her own death as recently as this week. His lack of respect and decency continues to astound us. 
A few months later, in early June 2019, Jack Shepard faced further prosecution for a charge of wounding with intent at Exeter Crown Court after he struck David Beach over the head with a vodka bottle more than a year earlier. Shepard appeared via video link pleading guilty and crying as the details of the crime were recounted to the court. Shepard's defence counsel Stephen Vulo QC spoke about his client. He said, Up until the end of 2015, his life was going as planned. He was a successful IT consultant, earning £150,000 with his own houseboat on the Thames. No one, not least himself, can have predicted the nature and degree of his self-destruction that has brought him to this point. A full statement was read to the court on behalf of Jack Shepard. I would like to apologise unreservedly to Mr Beach for the terrible, unprovoked way I assaulted him. It fills me with great regret. I feel distraught and deeply ashamed of my actions, which led to his suffering. I am so sorry. I hope seeing justice done today will help Mr Beach in his recovery. Shepard described his actions as out of character and put it down to the alcohol he had consumed. He later claimed, I will certainly never drink again. Shepard said viewing the CCTV footage of the attack made him physically sick and that he had not exhibited violent behaviour towards anyone prior to attacking David Beach, nor since. In the statement, Shepard explained his version of what took place on that day when he met his friend for lunch. Conversation with my friend centred on my problems at the time. I realised that no amount of stress can excuse such an act of violence, but these problems loom large over me at the time and undoubtedly played a part in my mental state. I cannot recall the attack since I was so intoxicated by drink, but can only imagine it represented a kind of snapping under these strains. He continued, Briefly, these were the grief and guilt I felt over Charlotte Brown's death, the flashbacks and depression I suffered after the accident, the breakdown of my marriage following my failure to cope with the manslaughter charge, and the subsequent concern about the role I can play in my son's life. The failure of my business and the inability to find work following the press coverage of the accident. On this particular week, I was also dealing with withdrawal symptoms having quit the psychiatric medications I was prescribed after the accident. Finally, the decision that I also faced was whether or not to end my life. I had taken proprietary steps to this end, but felt unable to go through with it on account of my son. Shepard described the subsequent heavy drinking that day as unplanned, and along with his friend they visited several pubs, and his estimate was he consumed about ten drinks. Thereafter his memory was blank, but the CCTV footage helped fill in some of the empty spaces of what happened. Shepard went on, Clearly I must have bought a bottle of vodka, tried to gain entry to the pub where Mr Beach was working, and apart from being politely asked to leave, I viciously attacked, without provocation, a totally innocent man. The day after being released on police bail, I travelled to London, booked a flight out of the country, and proceeded to hide from justice for almost a year. 
I deeply regret this decision. It only brought further suffering on Mr. Beach as well as Charlotte Brown's family. It was cowardly and a grave error. The decision was taken spontaneously out of fear and an animal terror of imprisonment. It was taken from a position of desperation. I did not take any pleasure or pride in evading justice. It simply felt at the time that I faced a binary choice, suicide or flight, and I chose flight. I know I face and deserve a long prison sentence despite this. I am glad I am here today to face this. All I desire is to atone as far as I am able for what I have done and one day return to society to live a good, productive and sober life and to be a father to my son. Jack Shepard was sentenced to four years by Judge David Evans, which would run concurrently alongside Shepard's jail term for gross negligence manslaughter. David Beach was not convinced his attacker was sorry or remorseful, telling the press that Jack Shepard was a, quote, spineless liar snivelling little coward and a psychopath who tries to manipulate everybody and every situation to his own advantage. Speaking about Shepard in an interview with a journalist for the Daily Mail, Beach said, I've got far more respect for the Taliban sniper who shot me than I have for him. He's a complete weasel. The apologies, the remorse shown in court, it's all a sham. The assault took its toll on David Beach, as he was already contending with PTSD after being shot in Afghanistan in 2013. It left me so on edge that if I heard any noise at night, I'd be up and watching through my bedroom window for anything suspicious, he said. It was like I was back in Afghanistan. I knew how violent Shepard could be because all I'd done that night in the hotel was to very politely ask him to leave the premises. He was too drunk to be served. A short time later, Jack Shepard once again appeared in court via video link from HMP Woodhill in Milton Keynes, where he was serving his sentence. From the Royal Courts of Justice... Shepard's legal team challenged against both his conviction relating to absconding and breaching bail and his conviction for manslaughter by gross negligence. Stephen Vulow QC explained that his client had not been cautioned or offered a solicitor before the interview in which Shepard was told he was being treated as a significant witness. Shepard was also suffering from shock and hypothermia. Vulow said, What had happened is, the investigating team had contacted the Maritime Police to ask whether offences had been committed. They were told no offences had been committed, including speeding and driving the boat with excess alcohol. The defence argued the evidence gathered should not have been used against Shepard at trial, which in turn meant the jury's verdict was unsafe. Speaking about his client... 
Stephen Vulo QC told the court. The only reason why he was not cautioned and given his rights to a solicitor on the day of the significant witness interview was due to a mistake made by the police. There had also been a further mistake made during the extradition process. The three appeal court judges, Mr Justice Jeremy Baker, Mrs Justice Thornton and Sir Brian Leveson, reviewed the argument against breach of bail. They decided that although the appellant admitted the offence of failing to surrender to bail and had been sentenced to six months in prison, it had subsequently been highlighted by Stephen Vulo QC that the extradition request made to authorities in Georgia, where Jack Shepard was living, did not explicitly request extradition for this offence. Thus, the judges nullified the conviction along with the consecutive sentence of six months. However, they specifically said, whether the appellant is further pursued for the breach is a matter for the authorities in due course. In regards to Shepard's appeal against his conviction for manslaughter and the claim made that officers breached the Police and Criminal Evidence Act as Shepard was not read his rights or given access to a solicitor, the judge's verdict read in part, until information is gathered about any incident, save where it is obvious from the circumstances, there is frequently an investigative phase which is simply seeking an understanding of what happened before there is any question of suspicion. The verdict concluded, When granting leave, the single judge made the point that the appellant should not be over-optimistic as to the outcome. That warning was prescient. The appeal against conviction is dismissed. So where are we now? In late 2019, Jack Shepard was mentioned in the pages of the UK press yet again. 25-year-old Maiko Chantaritsi claimed to have met Jack Shepard while walking her dog in a park in Georgia. She was not aware of Shepard's past until four months into their relationship, by which time the police were close to bringing him back to England. Adamant she would wait for him, Maiko said the two were engaged and were waiting for Shepard's divorce to be finalised before they could have a prison wedding. It was reported that after being moved to HMP Belmarsh in South London, Shepard was moved again to an undisclosed prison following a number of threats from fellow inmates. Charlotte Brown's family are fighting for stricter waterway laws for a daughter and sister they miss so much. People wouldn't just go out in their car um, with, without a licence, no experience, not wearing a seatbelt, no lights in the dark, um, under the influence of alcohol at speed, um, because if they did and caused an accident, they'd go to prison. We want that, those same rules, to apply to waterways. As members of the family continue to campaign and raise awareness through interviews with the media, Charlotte's mother and sister appeared on ITV talk show Lorraine in October 2019. On 
on the topic of Jack Shepard and the lack of laws surrounding the use of private boats, Katie Brown said. He was able to take out his boat numerous times drunk, speeding, driving recklessly, and with only a small fine as a potential consequence, because there are no criminal laws. It's getting easier now to purchase boats from the internet, which is what he did, just take them out with no licence. When there's no law, there's no deterrent, and it's very difficult to hold that person accountable if there's something that happens. The family have proposed new consistent nationwide criminal laws for private boat and vessels, including speed limits, alcohol drink drive limits, mandatory wearing of life jackets, and safety training. Charlotte Brown's mother, Ros Wickens, spoke of how she wished she could take her daughter's place. We miss Charlotte so dreadfully, she said. Remembering her twin Charlotte, Katie Brown went on to say, She was so funny and loving. She was passionate. Do anything for her friends and family. Life isn't the same without her. But we need to let her legacy live on and make a change so that hopefully this would be much less likely to happen if those laws were in place. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Information on this episode can be found in the show notes or on our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.